It's uh, wonderful to be with you, and uh, I want to start today by reading the lyrics of a song. Uh, I grew up with the music of a guy named Randy Newman. He, he became famous for a song called Short People. It's quite controversial. And then he uh, did a song called I Love L.A. that got a lot of airtime. And in recent years, he's famous, really. He's done, written the scores for lots and lots of Disney movies. But this is a song he wrote and that I kind of grew up with. It says this. It's money that matters. You hear what I say? It's money that matters in the USA. And he tells a story. He says, when I was a young boy, maybe 13, I took a hard look around me and asked, what does it mean? So he's saying, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? So I talked to my father. He didn't know. I talked to my friend, and he didn't know. I I talked to my brother, and he didn't know. I talked to everybody that I knew, asking this question. What does it mean? What's the purpose of life? And this is what he comes to. This is his conclusion. It's money that matters. Now you know that it's true. It's money that matters, whatever you do. I talked to a man who lived on the county line. I was washing his car with a friend of mine. He was a little fat guy in a red jumpsuit. And I said, that looks kind of funny. And he says, I know it does too. But I got a great big house on the hill here. And I got a big blonde wife inside of it. I got a great big pool in the backyard. And another great pool beside it. Sonny? It's money that matters. Do you hear what I say? It's money that matters in the USA. It's money that matters. Now you know that it's true. It's money that matters, whatever you do. And whether we, we believe that or not, some of us might be do, some of us maybe don't, this is a message that we are communicated to and with all of our lives. And uh, there's many popular songs that that talk about money like this. And today we're going to talk about the the nation of Tyre and God's judgment on Tyre. Tyre was and is a city about 40, 50 miles north of where Jesus lived. Just north, just north of the Sea of Galilee on the Mediterranean coast. And we don't hear a lot about them now, but they developed an amazing empire. And they became very rich. And so you say, so, oh, so this is, a, this is a story and a passage and a sermon about money, but I don't have any of that. I'm not rich like that. So not today, not during the sermon. If you, if you do this during the sermon, the deacons will come and bonk you on the head. But when you go home today, take out your phone or your computer and go to www.globalrichlist.com, and they'll ask you two or three questions. You put in some numbers, And this website will tell you how rich you are. And I I know you're thinking now, I'm not that rich. But they're not comparing you to you. They're comparing you to the world. And you'll see how wealthy you are in comparison to everyone on the planet. It's it's really fun and it's an amazing thing. So if you're saying, oh, this this doesn't apply to me. I, I don't have anything. 
go to that website when we're done, and you'll find out what percentage of the world's population and the riches they are. How'd you do? I'm number two. I'm in the top two. Most of you will probably be three, four, five. But I'm. Uh, now, here's another question uh, for you. How do you identify, when you think about the, your life and business, uh, the world and job, do you identify as a scientist, a technician, an intellectual, a laborer? Are you in business, commerce, the arts, human social services? Do you work in the government? Are you a political person? Are you involved in the military or ministry or medicine, the environment? What do you, what do, you do? And, uh, and then the next question is, Regardless of what you do or who you, how you identify in, in one of those groupings, who should be in charge? And America is in a big debate right now because we're asking ourselves this question. Who should be in charge? Uh, of the, our, Not just our money, but our government and our policies. And the people of Tyre that we're going to read about today in chapter 23 of Isaiah they asked this question and they came to an answer. And they said, the people that are in charge are the people with the money. And they said, it's about business and it's about commerce. Now, they had amazing technology. They were master uh, naval architects, celestial navigators and engineers. They built a fantastic fortresses. They were cultured and educated in every way, but they were able to do that because they were rich. And they said, that's what we're leading with, is with the money game. So if you look at the map down there, you can see where Tyre is, and I don't want you just to see them as that little star there of Tyre. They influenced everything you see on this map and off the chart and off the map that you can't see. Their empire went as far as the Atlantic. They were, they were the Walmart of the Middle East. They were, if, you know, if we were on the West Coast, they were like the port of San Francisco. They, they traded with everyone. Or if you were from the East Coast, they're like the port of New York. I mean, they they interacted with people from Latin America and Europe and and South America. They were just, they were were an international uh, city-state with amazing resources, wealth, and reach. And the big idea that we learn from uh, Isaiah 23 today is, and this is in our big idea box, God judges my heart by evaluating how I invest my money. And in this passage, we'll see God says, I'm, I, I know who you are, people of Tyre, and I'm looking at you and I'm evaluating your life, and it's really simple. I just look at how you spend your money, and that tells me, God says, where your heart is. And if it's true for Tyre, it's true for me, it's true for you, it's true for This church, it's true for our city, it's true for Multnomah County, it's true for Oregon, it's true for America. God's looking at us and evaluating us, and it's a very simple evaluation. Where's your money? And that tells us, tells him, where our heart is. Now, if you look at your outline in the top right there where it says Isaiah 23 preview, let's just talk through what we're going to be covering today. The first thing that we see about Tyre, and, and, and you say, well, Tyre is so far away, a long time ago. I really think there's a paradigm in this passage that, that 
is a paradigm for all people of all time. And it's this. We all have something. We all possess something. Whether we're the poorest person on the block or the richest man in the city, we all have stuff. We've got, we have something that we possess. And Tyre had great gifts. And so I want you to think today and evaluate your life. What has God given me? It might be a talent. It might be a resource. It might be an inheritance. It might be a house. It might be a business. It might be a job. It might be a skill. It might be an education. It might be a family. What is it that you've got? But the problem that we all have, not just the people of Tyre, God's people have this problem too. When we have stuff and we're doing well, there's only one thing more dangerous than failure. And what's that? It's success. When we have things and we're doing well, we hold on to it, we develop problems because we're taking care of our stuff and we're guarding our resources and we become proud of what we've got and how we got it. And we think it's all about me, right? And so we all have possessions, but we all have problems and we all have sins. And God says to Tyre, and he says to us, if you continue in this pattern, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And it's not good because God's ultimate desire for all of us. And this is what's so amazing to me about this passage He's not just talking to his people, the children of Israel. And today he's not just talking to his people, God, the, the children of Jesus. He's saying this to pagans. He's saying this to people who aren't believers. He's inviting them into his presence. And he's saying, you've got all this stuff. You're the richest country in the Mediterranean. But you're proud. And, and it's not going to go well for you. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shake your tree so much and so hard that you come to me. And what's, what's incredible about all this is as we strive and we live and we work and we struggle and we scrape and we save, God's saying, you know what I really want? I want you to be in my presence. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And he's inviting not just us, he's inviting everyone. He's saying, come to my temple. Come to my presence. Come into, to my, be near my person. It's a wonderful invitation. So when you think about your life, what are the gifts God's given you? And how have you maybe sinned with your gifts? And what is your future if you continue in the way that you've been going according to God's word? <laughs> And what can you do to balance your life in the day-to-day, the work for the money and the paper and the savings and all that stuff? How can you balance that and increasingly bring yourself into the presence of Almighty God? Because that, at the end of the day, is what it's all about. Let's, uh, let's look at our outlines at this possessions thing and And if you have a Bible, please open it to chapter 23 of Isaiah. And we're going to go through some of this. There's a lot of material. We'll try to race through some of this. But the big idea here is we're going to see what Tyre had, this nation state of Tyre, what they had. And I think there's a parallel. They were this great, rich country. The numbers came out for the United States this week, right? We have the strongest economy we've had in 50 years. We're the envy of the world. We're a lot like Tyre. 
They had it all. And as we read the passage, you'll see the, response, the, the prophet is speaking from the perspective of these nations to 2,500 miles away who hear about the destruction of Tyre and they're mourning and crying and they're like, oh no, Tyre has fallen. And it means I'm going to take a hit financially because I did business with them. And God is saying, okay, this is what they had. So let's, just, let's read the passage. The first thing we see is in chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. They, were, they had ships, harbors, and you know what's the coolest thing about Tyre for me? They lived at the beach. Okay. <laughs> Wail, you ships of Tarshish. That's, that's way out in Spain. For it is laid waste. What's laid waste? Tyre. So that there is no house and no harbor to return to. For the, from the land of Cyprus, an island in the Mediterranean, it is, re, it is revealed to them. Be still, inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon up north, whom those who cross the sea have filled. They were a seafaring people. And then look at verses 3 through 6. They had money. Be still, you inhabitants of the... Excuse me, verse 3. And on the great waters, the grain of Shihor, the harvest of the river, the river Nile, is her revenue. She made her money trading the grain that she got from Egypt. And she is a marketplace for what? The nations, be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea has spoken. The strength of the sea is saying, I do not labor nor bring forth children, neither do I rear young men nor bring up virgins. When the report of the fall of Tyre reaches Egypt, they will be in agony at the report of the fall of Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish, wail, you inhabitants of the coastland. They were rich, rich people from the harvest of Egypt. And they had international influence, it says in verse 3. They were the marketplace of the world. And look at verse 17, it says, And it shall be said at the end of 70 years that the Lord will deal with Tyre. She will return to her hire, her business and trade, and commit fornication with all the kingdoms of of the world on the face of the earth. You can't get more rich, more influential, or more international than that. And then it says in verse 7, she was a jubilant, a happy, and a well-traveled city. Is this your joyous city? A joyous city whose antiquity is from ancient days. One of the, the, one of the most ancient civilizations some of the first people to develop an alphabet, whose feet carried her far off to dwell. She's a beautiful place. And then at verse 8, it says, she's a king maker, she's a king and a king maker, and she's honored in all the earth. Who has taken this counsel against Tyre? The crowning city. Tyre was the crown. Whose merchants are princes. Remember we talked about who was in charge? They said, the merchants are. The merchants are our kings and our princes, and whose traders are the honorable of all the earth. I mean, these guys were the tip of the top, weren't they? It's amazing. And then it says they were glorious and beautiful, and what's amazing to me is that they're known by God. Look at verse 9. The Lord of hosts purposed it. 
the Lord of hosts purposed the downfall of Tyre in the future to bring to dishonor the pride of all glory. They were a glorious, glorious empire. And God did this to bring to contempt all the honorable of the earth. So he's saying, I'm not just doing this to Tyre. I want everyone who trades with her. I want the world to see. It's not about your glory. It's about my glory. It's not about hoarding stuff for you. It's about coming into my presence. Look at verses 10 and 11. Overflow through your land like the river, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no more strength. He stretches out his hand. I love this metaphor. He stretches out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord has given a command against Canaan to destroy its strongholds. God is saying, I'm watching you. I know what you're doing. What's amazing to me is God isn't just watching his children. He's watching over all the nations of the earth. And he's, he's holding his hand over the nations that ignore him over the nations that deny him. And that means he knows what they're doing. So if you're today here and you say, I'm not sure I'm a believer, it's okay. God knows you. He's watching you. He's listening to you. He's extending his hand over you. And if you're wise, you will submit to him. Tyre was probably the first colonial empire of the world. They had trading posts and outposts all over, wherever there was water that could be reached by their ships, they were there. And because of their wealth and their vast empire, they were celebrated. Verse 12, and he said, you will rejoice no more, O oppressed daughter of Sidon. Arise, cross over to the island of Cyprus, and there you will have no rest. They have been rejoiced over by everyone in the world. And then look at verses 13 and 14. Behold, the land of the Chaldeans, the people who, which was not, Assyria founded it for wild beasts of the desert. They set up its towers. They raised up its palaces. This was a palatial empire. And they brought it, and brought it to ruin. Wail, you ships of Spain, or Tarshish, for your strength is laid waste. They were an amazingly fortified city. And all the kingdoms of the earth came to conquer it. And most of them were unsuccessful because of the strength of their fortifications. And not only that, verses 15 through 17, look at those. Now it shall come to pass in that day that Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years. He's prophesying their destruction and how they're going to be in in decline for 70 years. According to the days of one king. And at the end of 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the harlot. Now, one of you musicians, I hope you could put this to music for us. The song of the harlot. How? Wow. Take a harp. Go about the city, you forgotten harlot. Make sweet melody. Sing many songs so that you may be remembered. Not only did they have all this wealth, they were a musical, artistic people. They were attractive and they were sexy to the nations. And they look at verse 18. 
her, her gain, talking about the future now, her gain and her pay will be set apart for the Lord. He's prophesying when they will come into his presence, when they'll finally get it and they'll worship God and not say it's not all about us. It will not be treasured, your gain, will not be treasured nor laid up for her gain. It will be for those who dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for fine clothing. So this is a rich country full of investments, profit. And God says, I foresee a time when I'm going to draw you into my presence. And you won't just live for your own gain. You won't just live for the money. You won't just live for the material world. But you will, you will glory in coming into my presence. And you'll figure it out. And when you ask this question, what does it all mean? You won't say it's about the money. You'll say it's about being in the presence of the one who made you. But because Tyre had all this stuff, they had a problem. Look at uh, the problems box on the far right center of your outline there. They had this abundant income. And they had these mad skills. And because of their riches, and because of their knowledge, and their, their sophistication, they became super proud. And it, it happens to us. I, you know, I thought about this this week. I thought, you know, if God gave me everything I wanted what I think I deserve, you know what I'd be? <laughs> I'd be a proud jerk. I really would. I really would. If I, if I, had, if I had what Tyre had, if I, was, if I was there and I had all that stuff that they had, I'd be like, that's, that's a good life. And they felt like they deserved it and they were proud. And God says, I'm, I'm going to have to humble you. Not because I'm mean, but because why? He wants them to come into his presence. Now, we don't see this in the text here, but we know it just from reading history that the people of Tyre were Baal worshippers. They had Ashtoreth poles all over the place. And because of their paganism and the worship of the deity, these demon spirits, their sexuality was perverted through prostitution, and they committed child sacrifice and abortion, and they worshipped their money. But here's the great thing about human life. You know, we evolve, right? We change. <laughs> and I just don't know any country or any people anymore that live and to pervert their religion and to pervert their sexuality. I don't know anyone who, who's ever been involved in an abortion and I don't know anyone who's ever worshipped money. Oh, just a second. I'm, I'm getting a call. What's that? Oh. Oh, okay. Never mind. Thank you. Turns out I was wrong. (laughs) Turns out we haven't evolved. Turns out we haven't grown. Right? Turns out we don't get it. We still... We still, God is coming to us with the purity of his person and we twist it all up with our heresies. He gives us a perfect sexual uh, model and we destroy it with our perversion. He gives us the blessing of children and we kill them. He gives us everything we need to have an abundant income and resources. And what do we do? We worship our income. 
It's amazing. Nothing has changed, has it? Now, as I studied the passage, most of the people that I read and talk about and the books I've seen over the years, when they talk about Tyre, the first thing they do is talk about the prophecy of Tyre and how God fulfilled it and how the fulfillment of the prophecies against Tyre is an, ev- an apologetical evidence for the existence and perfection of God. And that's all true, and I believe that. It's really, it's all there. But because of time, we're not going to talk about the prophecies of Tyre that much. We're really not. But I want to encourage you if, you, if you can, when you go home, go into YouTube and you can type this, uh, this address that I put in here in the outline or type in biblical prophecy about Tyre. And you can find videos from four, four minutes to 44 minutes about the prophecies of Tyre. It's fascinating. It's interesting. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's very cool. I went this week and I went on Google and I went to the current city of Tyre. Uh, where it was, where it is, and walk the streets. Beautiful, beautiful place. I could live there forever. It's a gorgeous town now. But that, that will be for another time. But the, the big idea is God is saying, if Tyre, if you continue like this, it's not going to go well for you because I'm, I'm going to judge you so that you will come back to me. And the same, he would say the same to us. He, God is saying to his church, to the American, the rich American church, and to you and to me, if, you, if you're consumed with your money and you're not in my presence, I'm going to judge you. Why? Because I'm a mean ogre? No, because I want to be in this intimate quality relationship with you where you enter into my presence and you see that the meaning of life isn't about all of the the material things it's about your the connection of your soul with god turn your outline over if you will and uh just a few a few observations god loves and is good to his detractors the people of Tyre, they had this amazing empire. Where did they get all this stuff? God gave them all this ability, knowledge, intellect, resources, technology. It was God's goodness to them. And God is still good to all of his detractors. And uh, I read a lot of atheists who write about this passage. Oh, you Christians, you say this prophecy of Tyre shows that God exists. No, it doesn't. Look at this stupid Christians that says that God would destroy Tyre. He didn't. It took hundreds of years. And we respond, exactly. Why? Because God is patient. He's saying for hundreds of years, Tyre, you need to listen up. You need to come into my presence. And they're like, no, we're not ready to do that yet. Decade after decade, generation after generation, century after century, he's like, hey, Tyre, you better straighten up. You better come into my presence. They're like, we want nothing to do with that. It's all about us. God is patient with us, and he's patient with me, and he's patient with you. And, and some people would preach this and say, well, it's these terrible, these terrible materialists these days. I don't think God is against the money and the power that Tyre had. I think what his heart was is that you, you take those resources and use them to come into my presence. And if God is in charge of history, like it says here, God is, sees all the nations of the world, and, and like the image says, he just holds his hand over them. And, and when Tyre falls, it's like, who did this? God, God goes, I did it. I can. I can just move my fingers and change the course of history. If that's true, then you think about your little checkbook and your little savings accounts and investments and retirement and or whatever it is that you hold on to. If God has got his hand over all the, the economies of the world today, 
And the World Bank, he can handle your finances and your physical life too. And like Tyre, he's saying, I see your your beautiful, sexy, wonderful, artistic, musical, happy, joyous, coastal community. Won't you come into my presence? God is saying to us, I I see what you've got. It's lovely. I've given it to you. Now won't you come into my presence? And he's, he's not just inviting us, he's inviting everyone into his presence. And here's the thing, though. He wants to and he needs to change our hearts. Because if we, if we don't get this, we'll be like the atheist. And we'll say, I don't get it. I don't get it. I just see the material world and that's it. That's all I want. That's all I need. That's all there is. That's all we should strive for. And so we come and ask God. We beg him for his mercy. And we say, won't you change my heart so that I desire you more than I desire the things that my money can buy. And this is how we do it. The apostle tells us in Colossians 3, therefore put to death, now this is a violent metaphor, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire. And I remember when I first learned and read this, I was shocked. He says, put to death covetousness. Why? Because it's idolatry. And so you say, well, I'm not unclean. I don't have all that fornication. Do you love your money? Or let me put it a different way. Do you want more? Because if you ask me today, George, do you have enough money or do you want more? I would say, I I want more. What does that mean? It means I covet. I want more money. I don't have enough. I want more so he's saying, George, God is saying to me, the apostle is saying, you're an idolater. You're worshiping this thing that you think if you have more of it, then your life will be better. He says, you know what you really need is to be in my presence. Jesus says it like this, do not lay up for yourselves Tyre or America or me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, in the presence of God, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And Jesus says this, where your treasure is, Tyre, Shepherd's Gate, George, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And that's why we ask God to change our heart. Now, We're not quite done yet, but let's review in in preparation for being done. Look at the review at the bottom there. We've got these four big ideas today. The possessions of Tyre. Tyre had all this stuff. I, I hope that you will write down on this line, what has God given you? What is it? What are What are the gifts and the talents that God has given to you, like he's given to Tyre? What abilities, what skills, what access do you have? And what are your problems? Their problem was pride, and their pride led them to to idolatry, not just material idolatry, but spiritual idolatry, and to perversion, and to abortion. What, What are the things that you're struggling with before God in relation to the stuff that he's given you? And what will happen to you in your life, 
if you stay the course. Right? If I, it, it doesn't take a profit sometimes. You know, it's like if I eat a do- dozen donuts for breakfast every morning, you all can tell me what's going to happen. Right? <laughs> you, know, you know. We know. And God's like, if you keep doing that, Tyre, if you keep just living for this world and thinking you're so great, bad things are going to happen. What's going to happen to you if you, can, if you keep the course and continue with the problems and the sins that you have right now? And then God, we see in, in this last verse that's highlighted in the center of your outline, verse 18, we see that God is inviting Tyre into his presence. And so God is inviting you and he's inviting me into his presence. But it's a, it's, a, it's a balancing act because I do have to go to work every day. I do have to trade with Egypt and Spain and, Lib- and, uh, and uh, Lebanon and Turkey. I have a job. I, I got to go to work. How do I do that? How do I balance my life and my business, my profession, and bring in and include more worship? How, do you, how are you going to do that? So in the, the time that we have left, I want to talk about being in the presence of the Lord. And um, I'm going to start that. by we, we began with a song. I want to start, or excuse me, end with a song, the lyrics of another song. Uh, one of my favorite guitarists, and many of you know, is Eric Clapton. You know, Eric and I are just, we're like this. And Eric, um, and I'm not saying he's, you know, your role model or your pastor or a moral guy. I don't know. I don't know how he's doing spiritually. He hasn't called me in a while. It's been a while. <laughs> but he's a guy that grew up with a lot of pain. And to mask his pain, he went to the drugs. And he became addicted. And then he was, God, like in our passage, like he was like tired. He had amazing skills. He was a virtuoso musician, guitarist from a young man. And that, that, that possession of that talent brought him great, great wealth, right? So he's a guy in his 20s with mansions and castles and limousines and uh, helicopters, and all the women in, of the world were at his feet. He could afford any drug, and he did, everywhere. And he traveled everywhere, and he was treated like a king, right? And then as a young man, he said, eh, eh, it's not enough, it's not working. He was smarter than the people of Tyre. He said, I have all the wealth of the world, and it's not working for me. And he penned this song. I have finally found a way to live like I never could before. Everybody knows the secret. Everybody knows the score. I have finally found a way to live in the presence of the Lord. I have finally found a place to, place to live just like I never could before. Everybody knows the secret. Everybody knows the score. I have finally found a way to live. And it's in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. And that is what God is inviting us into today. And and so today this message is really an invitation. It's an invitation to Christians. It's an invitation to me. It's an invitation to you. And it's an invitation to people who are not Christians, who may be atheists or another religion. God is saying to all of us, I invite you 
into my presence. And so as we look at the, uh, the, the scripture here in verse 18, what it says in verse 18, it says, In the future her gain, Tyre's gain, and her harlot's wages will be set apart to the Lord. And it will not be stored up or hoarded. They were storing it up. They were hoarding it. But her gain, her riches, will become sufficient food and choice attire for those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. Now, what that meant for them in their day is that they would go to the temple in Jerusalem and they would make offerings and then they would go and give to the priests and worship God in Jerusalem. Are we going to do that this week? No, we're not. So what is the way that God has provided for us today to enter into the presence of the Lord? And I'm going to turn in my Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to read for you verses 20, or excuse me, 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, having boldness to enter into the holies. How do we come into the presence of God? How do we do it? We do it with boldness. How do we get this boldness to come before the presence of God? We have boldness to enter the holies by the blood of Jesus. The way you enter into the presence of God is through the person of Jesus. And not through your righteousness, not through your gifts, not through your offerings, but through his offering to you of his own person and his own body and his own blood. And it's by verse 20, a new a new way to enter into God's presence. Not by going to the temple, not by giving money there to the priests. This new way, a living way, we live it today, this week, which He, God, has consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. So the invitation today for all of us, whether we're believers or not, is to say, I come, God, I'm going to come to you through the way you prescribed for me. I'm going to come through your son, through his body, through his blood, and I'm going to enter into your presence. And I, I'll just give my testimony. The little bit of the wealth and the riches of this world, the little bit of the knowledge, a little bit of the travel, a little bit of the awareness and the skill that I've experienced in my life, it doesn't satisfy me. It really doesn't. And the greatest joy, the greatest meaning, the greatest purpose, the greatest fulfillment that I have ever experienced is in the presence of God. To go and just to abide and be, to sit on his lap and to come directly into the throne room of God by the blood and the person of Jesus and to sit there with him and to absorb his love for me. There's nothing greater in all the world. And this is what Tyre didn't get. And this is what millions of our family and friends don't get. But this is the invitation that God is giving us today. Come into my presence through the blood of Jesus. And that's the invitation that, God, that the prophet Isaiah was giving to Tyre then. You need to come into the presence of God. 
So you have a little bit of homework when you go home. Go to that global rich list and uh, put your numbers in, see how rich you are or aren't. And then I would encourage you just to read this chapter 23 of Isaiah again. As we know and you're experiencing, this is some of the most beautiful literature. It makes Shakespeare blush. Right? I mean, it's just so rich. It's so beautiful. It's so artistic. It's so poetic. It, it's so metaphorically brilliant. Read, read the chapter. And then if you're, if you're into music, listen to this uh, Eric Clapton song, The Presence of the Lord. I, I like his version with Steve Winwood the best. And then take, just take time. And say, whatever it is you're going through, and I know there's people that are suffering and hurting today. I had, I had an experience this week where I was just suffering. And I said, God, I'm suffering, but I'm going to suffer in, with you in your presence. Or if you're rejoicing and it's good time, say, okay, God, you've given me this great gift and this great possession, this great blessing. I'm going to enjoy it in your presence. Spend time in the presence of God. Let me, let me pray and let's praise the Lord together as we close. God, we thank you that um, we live in a very rich country, very much like Tyre. We have everything we need here. We thank you for that and we give you our hearts, we give you our souls, and we give you all of our money because it's yours. And we present to you today how we view our money, how we feel about our money, how we we hold on to it, how we worship it sometimes. And we acknowledge that you will judge us and all the nations of the world by how our hearts invest your money. Please change our hearts, Lord. Make us want to be in your presence. And God, today we do. We want to spend more time with you. We want to be in your presence starting today, this week. Amen.